Episode 500 is in the books. Plus, Kyle will say whatever anyone wants to hear. Go figure. Emerald Sal's egos continue to inflate. Big T nearly capsizes. Bettina is feeling isolated. And the editors of this show totally faked us out, and we don't like it. It's the challenge. Spies, Lies, and Allies, episode 12 recap coming up right now. What up, my fellow challenge lovers? Welcome to the challenge historian, where we dive deep into all things MTV's The Challenge, past, present, or future. If it's happening in the challenge universe, then we are here to document it. I am your host and dedicated, dedicated challenge historian, Jacob Hollibaugh. Thank you so very much for being here with us today on the podcast today. We are discussing all things episode 500. What a milestone for this beautiful, wonderful, amazing franchise called The Challenge. And as much as we are challenge historians, and we'd love to talk about each and every one of those 500 episodes right now, we can't because episode 500 was also episode 12 of this season, and that will be our focus. There is all times to discuss all 500 episodes that come before, and eventually we will probably talk about almost each and every single one of those on some platform or another. But today, episode 12, Spies, Lies, and Allies, episode 500 of the franchise. That is the focus. How we are going to talk about it will be the same as we did last week, which means we are officially scrapping the original format for this season of recaps, much the same way they scrapped the original format of this season in this game. And we are going to keep with what we had last week and do the following segments. First up, our Cliff Notes recap of everything that happened on this episode. Then, a long walk through the entire episode, discussing any notes from each of the segments of the show along the way. Everything prior to the daily, the daily challenge, nominations and everything back at the house, and then the layer, kind of four parts of the show. We'll talk about each one in order. And then, once that breakdown is complete, we will hand out some awards, same awards as always, and finish it up with the power rankings and predictions moving forward. We plan on attacking this podcast much the same way Emmy attacked that elimination, which is to say completely in our feelings going in. But the moment that horn sounds, we are fired up, guns blazing. So let's dive right on in. Let's get it started. All right, starting things off with our Cliff Notes recap. Everything that just happened on the episodes, we can wrap our heads back around everything we just saw. As always, these 90-minute episodes can get a little plot-heavy, so in case you forgot something, here we go. This is everything that went down to remind you of it all. So here we go. Three, two, one, and we're off. Nelson literally wastes zero seconds once back in the house to get in Kyle's face and call him a snake. They yell a bunch, are separated, and literally no one else in the house seems to care. And also, I don't understand a word that they say when yelling at each other. The next day, and a bunch of people work out as usual. Meanwhile, though, Big T gets her favorite floaty, puts on a face mask, grabs a snack, and goes for a float in the pool that almost ends in her going right off of the side of the infinity pool. CT and Emmy begin laying plans for getting back on each other's team. Meanwhile, Josh is plotting with Amanda and Ashley how to keep them safe because, of course, Josh can keep anyone and everyone safe. They talk shit on Bettina, who hears it from the other room and continues to feel lonely and isolated in the house. Corey tries to cheer her up, but it doesn't really do much help. 
At the Daily Challenge, we play Brush Contact. There are a bunch of bags of money that first the males must transfer through a field with another team of males playing defense. Whatever they get to the end zone goes to the females on their team who then do the same thing, try to get to their end zone versus the other same team's defense. The most bags of money transferred from one side to the other successfully wins. Emerald goes first with Sapphire defending. And after literally the dumbest strategy by Sapphire's defense, Emerald gets out with 8,000 out of a possible 10,000 transferred from one side to the other. A great first run. Sapphire then goes second versus Ruby. They get 3,000. Ruby then goes third versus Emerald and somehow literally get zero. So Emerald wins their third straight daily challenge. Back of the house, everyone is looking at Bettina and Emmy. Two rookie women left and same as all season. Two rookies probably going into the lair. Before that can happen, though, Nelson and Kyle, they fake makeup. Nelson believes every word Kyle says, even though he's clearly just saying what Nelson wants him to say and hear and is just making it all up at any given moment he needs to. Prior to nominations, both Bettina and Emmy go to Emerald's team, either Devin or Tori, I should say, the people running their team, and make their pitch to be the vote so that they can pick their opponent when they go down in the lair instead of being the one chosen. But when Amanda threatens Emerald that Bettina may call her out and she would infiltrate, it sways the Emerald cell into choosing Emmy at nominations. Layer time. And even though CT advised his niece, Emmy, to not pick Bettina so as to leave a rookie girl kind of as a shield for Emmy, she does pick Emmy, or excuse me, Bettina anyways, and wants to be nice to the vets. They play a game where you swing a big missile back and forth with a rope to try and knock out your five targets. First to knock all five targets out wins. Emmy starts strong, gets the rhythm down, and nails them all slowly, but surely Bettina's effort is uh, less than inspiring, we shall say. Doesn't get any and is eventually sent home. Sticking to her word, Emmy picks Sapphire Cell, sends Amanda to Ruby. Team Sapphire now four very strong players, but only four, whereas Ruby has five, Emerald has six, and that is where the episode ends. Whew. All right, so. That's everything that happened now. Let's walk back through that entire episode one more time. This time, let's talk through all the notes we've got, all of the different moments, strategies, everything that is of importance and of notes and of comment, worth commenting on from this episode. All right, so let's walk our way through this episode. And as always, we got a classic, you know, the classic format of a challenge episode. We got kind of a quarter of it before the daily challenge, the daily challenge, then everything back at the house and then the layer. So four sections to work our way through. We'll start at the top of the episode and it starts pretty much as always the last few seasons, literally in the moments of them coming back from the prior elimination. And this one doesn't take long for something to happen because Nelson literally waits 0.0 seconds to get in the house to confront Kyle. Kyle can't even celebrate the victory in any single way. Nelson just immediately walks right up to him, gets in his face, and starts yelling, Kyle the, at this point, the absolute master of the, I will put my forehead on your forehead and get, and get real unbelievably close to you immediately fast because that's all we're allowed to do. So Kyle puts his forehead on Nelson's forehead. They're pushing each other. Security steps in. They're yelling. And the few notes on this one, you, you can't understand a word either one of them are saying. They're just yelling over each other. Kyle's got his accent. Nelson is is so enraged that he's talking super fast and loud. I don't know a single word either of them say at any point other than 
at some point down the line of the argument, uh, Kyle, as he walks away, yells, great, I'll run a fucking final with CT then. And they pan over to CT, who isn't necessarily looking thrilled about this statement, (laughs) to say the least. He's still trying to digest the fact of what had just happened to his team and how he just somehow lost Ed and Nelson and replaced them with Kyle. But two of them have a bunch of words. No one in the house cares. That's that's the most important thing from this little this little argument is that literally no one in the house cares. No one, you know, gets up to defend anyone. No one steps in. It's purely just the secure one or two security people that step in. And co- other than maybe Corey eventually comes around and is like, all right, I'll get my guy and goes and kind of grabs Nelson's like, can we be done with this? Can we go outside now? Can we, can we, can we move on? But everyone else in the house is like, come, we, come on guys. We just got back. We just got back. We haven't even got to raid the fridge yet. Maybe there's some new stuff in the fridge. You guys want to go to the fridge? You want to get some food? So no one cares. And it's a complete nothing burger because immediately afterwards they're both like, yeah, whatever. Like, I don't, I don't really even care. Nelson is pulled outside by Corey after apologizing to the whole group, which was at least a nice little moment that Nelson immediately kind of immediately realizes and still while, you know, breathing heavy and raged moments after having been yelling at Kyle for a minute straight, he turns to the whole very uninterested <laughs> group of people in the kitchen and just yells like, I'm sorry, everyone. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then Corey pulls him outside and they have their little powwow where again, <laughs> Corey mentions, you know, I've been dying to work with you. And we'll point out again, Corey, you guys literally were the two of the first three people to the platforms and you chose actively chose not to work together, which I understood in the situation. It did backfire. And now you are together. And uh, Nelson tries to say, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to be down on Team Ruby. I'm not I'm, you know, I'm excited to work with you, bro. But like, I'm just mad. Kyle's a snake. And it's like, I don't know, man kind of looks like you're pretty upset to be on this team and not on that other team. So maybe get your shit together. But that goes down. Um, Kyle, Big T, comes to you know his aid, checks on him, and he makes it very clear that all, all he wants is to be on the team of the champions. He wants to win, and he, wa- he sees CT and Ashley on the same team. He saw a chance to be on that team. He wants to win. He wants to run a final with the people that have won finals before. And you can't fault that strategy. So that's the whole first kind of night they're back in. The next day at the house, then, we get likely the moment of the episode. We get our normal, you know, it's 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 almost guaranteed now. In any episode of the challenge at this point, you have to have at least two montages of people working out and training, which is fine. All these people are very attractive people getting to watch them you know, work out in their underwear because it seems like all of them refuse to wear anything but their underwear when they work out. Um, So that's great. Lovely to see. But it is always a little annoying that when they do these montages, they'll then always show like one person that's doing something different. And you have no idea. It's not like everyone is literally this is all taking place in one single moment and they're all working out and one person's like, ha, I ain't working out. I'm not doing any of that. But that's the way they kind of make it look. And they make it look that way this time, but it doesn't matter because it's easily the moment of the episode. And that is Big T is out, you know, the game's getting stressful and it's late in the game. She knows it's a women's week coming up and the stress levels are going to, you know, 
hit hit back to the 10 out of 10 for all the ladies in the cast thinking that they could be on the chopping block. So she's just trying to have a relaxing day. She grabs her favorite floaty. She grabs a bowl of, I'm not exactly sure what, but some sort of snack. She puts a face mask on. She goes for a little float. And you know what? It looks amazing. It looks lovely. I don't, I, I, maybe we haven't been seeing it, but in a house that at the start of the season we said might be the best challenge house we've ever seen, all of these lovely things to take uh, take advantage of. I don't think we've seen people take full advantage of the pool or certainly the second pool with the cabana in the middle of it or any of the accoutrement of the house. Way too much working out, not enough relaxation, if you ask me. And Big T, finally, someone sees it and gets it and says, hey, we're just stuck in this house all day long. I'm going to relax. I'm going to throw a face mask on. I'm going to do a little float. She does her float. She's eating her snack. <laughs> and... She almost goes over the edge. It's an infinity pool. Now, it wouldn't have been possible for her to go to the edge. I am not sure. Without actually being there in the water, I would love. I haven't watched Aftermath yet. Maybe this moment is brought up. Maybe they expound on it a little bit. Um, I don't know. Big T is a is a small, light person. Maybe that floaty is not very deep in the water. Maybe it could have actually legitimately gone, gone over the edge of that infinity pool. It certainly looked like it based on her and Tori's reaction. Tori's just walking by, notices Big T kind of almost taking a little snooze there with her head back. Like, oh, my God, you're going to go over the edge. And has to kind of help her paddle her way back. But it's a very small, quick moment of the episode. But... Absolutely amazing. Big T continues to shine. Just put that woman on camera, and whatever happens is going to be worth watching um, and usually going to bring a smile to your face. So that was wonderful. And then the final thing from that uh, this pre-daily segment of the show is we get the first of what would be many moments of Bettina feeling isolated. We get Josh, Amanda, and Ashley all uh, talking in their bedroom, uh, unbeknownst to them with anyone else in earshot, which you're always in earshot of other people. There's only three of you in the room, and there's still what, 16 people left at this point, 18 people left in the house, 16 people, however many people left in the house, a lot more than just the three of you. Someone can hear. And after first Josh claims, you know, I, I want to keep you two safe, like we're going to keep my team safe and we're going to keep your team safe because Josh, Master Josh, can keep everyone safe in this game. And uh, as much as I've defended this season repeatedly throughout the season, and I will continue to do so to a degree, this episode really tested that. And one of the other things that's really testing that is when when Josh feels this safe, like he is truly running the game and he can control all of this and he can just tell multiple people on another team, like, I got you, we'll keep you safe, you have nothing to worry about because I'm in control here. You, you, you've done something a little bit wrong um, in, in the season overall from how you set it up to how you cast it to everything else. So we'll just say that, but Josh is confident. You can keep everyone safe. And in these talks, they obviously have to talk about that. If I'm going to keep you safe, who are we going to be targeting? And the target is going to be Bettina. And they talk some shit on Bettina about no one liking her. And she hears it off from the other room. And she gets very upset about this as someone deserves to get upset about a bunch of shit being talked about you and just kind of in a rude, mean way in the other room. It's one thing if they just say, you know, Bettina's on another team, she's a rookie, so, like, she's the target versus what they say of, you know, no one really likes her, isn't going to be fine, this, that, and the other. Um, I am very confused by this. I am confused by kind of the Bettina dislike all episode long 
from what we've seen, it doesn't really seem warranted. And as she will say sometime later in the episode, when talk one of the times she talks to Corey, that you know she doesn't. It's not that people dislike her; it's that she doesn't know why people dislike her. That's bothering her so much. She knows she's not going to be universally liked by everyone, be best friends with everyone. But she tells Corey what you know. I wish I knew you know why people didn't like me or whatever. And I'm guessing most of the distrust or dislike, especially from maybe some of the female side, especially from the Amanda and Ashley side in this particular scene, is that there are, while we never saw any of it, there are, I guess we would say, allegations or rumors because we don't necessarily know that they're true, although they seem to be quite confirmed when they came up on different Instagram lives that Bettina had hooked up with potentially multiple people in the house, but definitely one of them, that being Fessy, in between times, Fessy was hooking up with Amanda. So if Amanda's got a problem with her and it has something to do with a potential Fessy Bettina hookup when Amanda and Bettina or Amanda and Fessy were, you know, already kind of going strong at the beginning of the season, that would make much more sense. But again, we didn't get to see that um, or even hear anything about that other than outside of the show on Instagram Live. So, um, that could be another, that's another problem for the edit. If you know, these storylines, I know there's a ton of people on the season. I know there's only, you know, 60 minutes worth of actual time in the episode because we got to have so many commercials, but, uh, you know, if you're going to finish these storylines out, it's, you know, you got to have the beginning of the storylines. You got to give us the, the backstory at why these things are happening, why these people are feeling that way. So left a little bit in the dark on that, but, We'll move then to the Daily Challenge, um, second segment of the show. They all head off to the Daily Challenge, and we find out, as we knew from all the previews and all the extra footage that the Challenge was putting out there, it's the 500th episode, which a uh, great question was brought up last week when I was on the Redditor's React podcast by Brian uh, at TJ's Bike. He... I think it was him. Maybe it was Levi. Sorry if it was the other one, uh, Levi. Uh, but he brought up, did they have to go back and refilm any of this? Or did they potentially say multiple daily challenges in a row that it was the 500th episode? Did they know they were going to cut the episode earlier in the season in half? Um, very interested to know. Would would love to ask one of the producers or executive producers that. But anyways, it's the 500 challenge. They give a quick shout out to the fans, which is very nice. Thank you, TJ and Cast, for giving us the shout-out, for riding with you all this time. You know we got you. We're ride or die with the challenge for life, no matter how good or bad any episode or season may be. But let's talk about this daily challenge. Um, Overall, uh, the concept of this daily challenge is very good, very fun, very cool. And when they explained the concept of it, I'm like, I'm in. I love this challenge. This is going to be a lot of fun. I asked in our prediction show, you know, I said I expected a very physical daily challenge for to celebrate this 500th episode, and they certainly set up one that could become very physical. However, the product that we get isn't all that great. Um, it has a lot, a lot of potential. Like, it legitimately had a potential to be an A daily challenge. It really, really did. Um, I would say we have we ended up getting about a C plus, honestly. Um, so uh, let's walk through. I guess 
quickly what they had to do uh, to refresh in case you forgot. Uh, one team is on offense. One team is on defense. They rotate till all three have had a chance to play offense and defense. And when you're on offense, you the guys start with, uh, it, it seemed to be about six bags in total, five, maybe five or six bags of different denominations of money. And they have to run those bags through a field about 20 to 30 yards long and get by the defenders and get to their end zone with the bags of money. The defenders are trying to stop them and either push them out of bounds or take the bag from them, at which point that bag is void. And however many bags of money the guys can transfer through their field and into their end zone, they then hand off to the women. And the women take those bags plus two extras that are at their end zone, and they do the same thing. They have to run through a 20 to 30-yard field versus the same other team's defenders. And same thing, if they get pushed out of bounds or the bag taken from them, it's void. However many they get to the end, you add that money up. And whoever has the most wins, $10,000 possible, there is two bags worth $3,000. There are four bags worth $1,000. So six bags, I guess, in total, four to start. They add two in the middle. And again, concept, very good product, not ultimately that great. Let's start with emeralds on offense, sapphires on defense. That's that's the start. And this is pretty much, um, this is the whole challenge, honestly, this, this matchup. Um, going in, it feels that way. And at the end of the day, it really is, because this is the one that decides the whole thing, essentially. Emeralds on offense. They're coming off two straight victories. Sapphires on defense. Now, for the second straight challenge, we get that the fact that two teams have five people and one team has six, and that team with six just has a massive advantage in the daily challenge, and that is the Emerald team. And we will talk much more about this later um, near the end, but... That advantage, they they got to maybe do some daily challenges where they find a way to balance that uh, advantage. I didn't say it on last week's recap, but like it would have been nice last week if the Ruby squad would have got to, you know, even if they probably wouldn't have made it based off their first performances, but they only had five, and it would have been great if one of the women would have got to go a second time because to get to that sixth possible chance to get around and, you know, through their thing. There's not a way to do that with this particular challenge. You can't really like add an extra, you know, literally add a body in the moment. Someone can't be duplicated in the moment or whatever. But um, so Emerald goes and CT and Kyle blow it from the opening moment. The Emeralds on offense, guys go first. So we got Devin, Josh, Emmanuel running past CT and Kyle. Yes, it's three to two. And so there's a big advantage. But CT and Kyle. Um, they have a nice little moment beforehand where Kyle's like, I guess this would be the right time to apologize for completely remove, you know, for <laughs> losing you two people and replacing them with me. And CT has a great quote about it, which we'll talk about in quote of the week. But they they seem to make some strategy when they eventually are on offense. They certainly make a big strategy of it. But what the fuck, CT and Kyle? This isn't hard. Look at the other team. Say yes, it's three to two. And guess what, Emmanuel. He's really, really fast, so we're going to just let him go. We're going to not even go for him. Does not matter. He'll get whatever bags they give to him unless he comes out of there and has all the bags in his arm. Then may, then we'll try to revert and go for him. But otherwise, CT, go for Josh. Kyle, go for Devin. You both win those matchups. Whatever money they have, you get, you stop, and only what Emmanuel gets goes. 
Easy, simple. Honestly, it wouldn't have taken that much. You, it would have taken no time at all. This is not just because I got to watch the episode and think about it and take notes and then talk about it. This was instant. The moment it's happening, I'm like, what? why is CT not taking the moment to go for Josh, the goof, as he likes to call him? Take him down. Kyle, you've got Devin, no problem. And you can even be friendly in your tackling of him because you know you guys are good friends and you can kind of talk shit the way friends would talk and not get that mad at each other. Don't even try for Manuel just because he's way, way faster than both of you. And instead, Kyle goes for Josh and to some degree embarrassingly, although Josh is a a big, strong dude as much as we kind of give him shit and everyone kind of gives him shit. Like he is a big, strong dude and he's in the best shape we've ever seen him on this show. So Josh just stiff arms Kyle pretty much into the ground and goes immediately into the end zone. Um, Devin that, or Emmanuel then comes right out the middle and CT puts his eyes on him and Emmanuel just kind of runs in a big loop around him. No problem. Cause again, way smaller, but way faster than CT and Devin just then walks down the other side, basically walks literally no one goes for him at all. And they get all of their money across. And at that point, this mission is completely and utterly over because on the women's side, Tori and Casey are going to dominate both offense and defense in this way more than any of the other women are going to. It's just, it's just the nature of the teams at this point. Um, you know, upsets happen, but this one wasn't going to be anywhere close. Tori and Casey do have no problem with Amanda, Bettina, and Ashley, and um, even Nani does an awesome job. She's a lot. She's kind of underrated in the physical ones of these. That girl will scrap with the best of them. Um, she just ends up. Once Tori and Casey make such quick work of getting by their defenders and into the end zone that then all three defenders eventually come back and tackle Nani to the ground, who still wins that struggle, it should be said, but because Josh thought that it would be smart to throw a smoke bomb in the middle of four women wrestling on the ground, literally just into the middle of them, because why not make their lives a living hell in that moment? That is not an advantage for your team, Josh, but good job. Um, Nani still comes out of that pile with her bag. She just is blinded by the smoke and steps like one inch out of bounds and they call her out of bounds, but she basically got through two with the most defense of anyone had to face. So hats off to Nani, Tori, Casey, they dominate hats, not off to CT and Kyle who should have, should have slowed this train down in a big, big way and should have stopped all of that money from being transferred. But anyway, so they get $8,000 out of possible 10 sapphires then on offense, Ruby's on defense and CT and Kyle do strategize again. And I, I hate to say it about, uh, the, you know, OG legend, potential goat and very, very good strategic player CT, but then bad strategy on offense too, from him and Kyle, I get it again. You're it's two verse three. That sucks, but, and you're probably not getting through one way or the other. Nelson, uh, Nelson, Corey, and Logan, that's a tough three to go against in two versus three. You're probably not going to get there. But CT runs straight down the sideline and is just pretty easily pushed out of bounds. And I know it's going to suck. Maybe he just it was like, you know, we already lost this, so what, what's, what matters anyways? But you've got to look at your matchup here. The women on your team have a significant advantage uh, going against the women on – Ruby. So if whatever you get through, you've got a chance for your women to get all of it through too. And running down the sideline, you're easily pushed out of bounds. If two people come from you run down the middle of the field. Yes. 
you are going to get tackled by two of them, and eventually probably all three of them are going to be on you. But your CT, at least make them fucking wrestle you in the middle of that. At least wear them out. Let it take forever. Just run up the middle, double fist those, you know, double clench, double arm, whatever it's called for a running back. Cover up those bags. Let them tackle you. And lay there on the ground and be like, y'all ain't, like, this isn't over until it's over. Like, if you want to try to wrestle this from me, go fucking ahead. Like, we'll be here all day. And, and yeah, you're probably eventually going to lose because, again, they got more people than you. But at least make them earn it. Don't just run down the sideline where they just have to push you. Two of them have to push you an extra foot one way. Like, that's not very difficult. Um, so they get pretty much nothing. Um, and then the the other the women go and they get their two extra bags. So they at least have some money. They can't actually get to eight k, but they're still doing their best, which is very admirable. And this the Bettina hate comes up again. First, you know the there's only two Ruby defenders versus the three Sapphire offense. So Bettina is the one that gets off the hook. No one goes for her. She just runs straight for the end zone. Yes, no one goes for her, but. She still gets the money there, whatever. Um, and then after she does, she runs back because Emmy is just absolutely destroying Amanda. And Bettina c- comes flying in, you know, tackles Emmy off the top of Amanda. The three of them get in a big scrap. Emmy is kicking Bettina in the face and throat repeatedly. And Bettina's taking it like a champ, still fighting, still fighting. Amanda pretty much fully gives up and just is like, I guess Bettina and Emmy will wrestle for this now, which, all right, well, I guess Emmy's just getting the bag, but, like, keep helping. Bettina came back to your defense, and then when Emmy eventually gets the bag and it's clear that that bag is void, Ashley is still fighting with Big T, which, shout out Big T, um, completely manhandling the champion Ashley here. Big T gets all this, uh, you know, sometimes the whole layup thing, it, it it's challenged it's elimination by elimination challenge by challenge that that is fair or not uh, but big t is legitimately strong for her size she's just short as hell so, so she's not as big as near you know as a lot of these people and yes there are certain you know if it's a hall brawl like yes you, you're allowed to say that ct that for most other women in the house, that Big T would be an easy one to go against in Hall Brawl just simply because she is so short, but not because she is not strong. She is legitimately strong, and she will fight with the best of them, and she has no trouble at all slowing down and stopping and taking down Ashley. Ashley then is yelling. She's getting pissed. She's like, someone come help me. You guys are just standing over there, to which Amanda and Bettina both do kind of stand for a second or two and not realize, oh, we can continue to go help her as well. There, you know, she's still, that money's still in play. And Bettina does kind of start to run over when Ashley drops the thing. And afterwards, Ashley is only upset at Bettina. She blames everything that just happened on Bettina, which is 100% not fair because, again, Bettina is the only one that gets any money across at all, even if no one goes for her, but she is. She's the only one on her team that goes back to help someone else out. And she's the only one, not Amanda, that started to run over to help you out when you lost your money. So uh, everyone's just taking their anger out on her. Again, if there's this stuff in the past that led to Amanda and then Amanda's best friend, Ashley, not liking Bettina because of hookups that possibly happened that we never saw, whatever, but unfair characterization in this moment. So, uh, Sapphire gets the $3,000 that Bettina gets across and that's it. 
Ruby then goes, Emerald's on defense. The guys for Ruby have this, this strategy that at first I'm kind of laughing. I'm like, oh man, this is going to look horrible. Corey and Nelson are going to look silly. Um, and you know, they don't need any more of those moments on their record, but then credit to them. It totally fucking worked. Like it completely and utterly worked. And their strategy was Corey was Logan was going to walk around in a big circle first with the smoke bomb, which didn't really work at all, but was hilarious. And then Corey and Nelson were going to take off first with the one K bags. And they were just going to use their speed and strength and just blow right by the defense and score. And then they were going to come back and they were going to play wide receiver for Logan, who was going to play quarterback. And you're like, um, I don't know if that's going to work. No one else has ever done this, but then it totally works. One Corey looks amazing. Looks like he's been on, hasn't, you know, hasn't missed a day of football practice in years, even though it's been, I don't know, he's what 30 years old now. Um, so it's been a decade since he played high school football, but it comes right back to him. He's got the juke. He's got the stiff arm. He looks fantastic out there. Like, you know, the the AFLs, XFLs of the world that are trying to trying to just build hype or whatever. Like, and you maybe need some mildly famous people. Like, bring Corey in for a workout, man. Come on. This guy looks amazing. Put some pads on him. Let him run. Um, he looks great. Nelson looks great. They both get by with ease, get by Josh and Devin and Emmanuel and score. They then come back and Logan comes out with his two bags of 3K and just hilariously starts to slowly shuffle down the field, holding the bag up like he's going to throw it. No one from Emerald team just rushes at Logan and is like, I'm going to come tackle you now. You don't get to just like slowly, casually walk towards us like this. So bad move there. And Corey and Nelson run all around, run all around. He throws one to Nelson. Nelson catches it and scores no problem. And then he throws one to Corey, a beautiful actual, like, I don't know, 10, 12 yard pass of a, what looked to be pretty heavy bag of fake money. So kind of impressive throw an impressive catch by Corey who catches it and lands with one foot into the end zone area. And they're all excited. They're, they're partially because I think they're like, oh, my God, that actually worked. They think they've got all the money into the end zone. TJ lets them know that, no, Corey's catch doesn't count. You have to have had it and go into the end zone. You can't land in the end zone. It doesn't count, which I think is 110% bullshit. think this should have counted. That This is getting real, real technical. I was fine last week with it was like, we clearly said you can't jump on the last thing, Kyle. You had to jump off and grab it as you go. Whatever. This is bullshit, all right? They come up with a unique strategy. They get all of the bags passed. They get all of it passed. The Emerald Squad, this amazing squad, which Josh, all the laughing and the making fun of Corey and Ruby for messing up again, you three just let all of the bags by. You were the only, the second group to do that, only to the group that had two defenders versus three on the guy's side. And as we talked about, had a horrible strategy. So good job on offense, Josh and Devin and Emmanuel. But you did a horrible job on defense, and now you're laughing about it. And that's bullshit because, yet again, and what's going to probably, you know, credit to them for assembling this team in the first place, but they're going to maybe walk to the final just based on the fact that their women are dominant versus the other women in any daily challenge. And that's what eventually happens. And you know, the Ruby offense gets most of the money there. They've still got a shot, but they've got Emmy and big T versus Casey, Nani and Tori. It ain't going to happen. And it doesn't happen. And 
that is what it is. Again, the 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 five versus six thing, and eventually now we'll talk about it again at the end, the four versus five versus six. Um, they got to find a way to balance this out and make it fair, but they don't. Uh, Zero dollars get in, Emerald wins, and Emerald is getting more annoying by the challenge. So that's the daily challenge again. Concept, cool, product, not that great. Strategy, surprisingly, from CT of all people, not that great. Emerald gets the win pretty easily. We then go to the post daily challenge. We're back of the house. A couple things to m- make note of here. First, Nelson and Kyle, they make up because, of course, because it literally was nothing before. And, uh, you know, Nelson kind of apologized for his part. Kyle just starts doing Kyle things and saying anything and everything that he would assume someone wants to hear. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to take your spot. I should have told you. I should have went to Emerald, this, that, and the other. I just want to be with CT. I'm sorry. It won't happen again. I want you to get to the final. I want you to win, blah, 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 blah. Nelson, the kind, wonderful, gullible guy that he is. Love you, Nelly T, but... It seems like Nelson legitimately buys all this. <laughs> and in his confessional, doesn't quite say so much. Still says, you know, like, hey, I accept his apology. He's my friend. But, like, I know he's still a snake. I'm not. And so, like, at least he's got that. But in the moment, he, he seems to buy all of it from Kyle, hook, line, sinker. Kyle's just being Kyle. And uh, it, it continues to work. Um, there continues to be benefits to being the one that says, yes. I am a snake. Yes, I am here for myself. Yes, I. you are my friend, but I will fuck you over, but I will still be your friend, and I'll actually be fun to hang out with and actually be your friend, but I'm going to fuck you over no matter who you are. It, it pays to be that transparent because uh, for some reason people it makes people more gullible, but whatever. We then go to the bubble bar, and this season really started strong with like, oh, we're going to get the party back into these houses. Like, let's go. And it's really tapered off really, really fast. Uh, there was there was some you know things out there on the internet, on the Instagram lives and the social media channels that multiple people in the house are very quickly were put on drinking restrictions um, because of actions early in the season, which, you know, it's always one of those things where it's like it's impossible, yes. Saying we want these people to be drunk idiots is is not an okay thing necessarily to say when you look at it from the standpoint of like, you know, safety and morals and all the other. And it's an incredibly fine line to walk between being like, we want these people to be able to both have a great time, let loose, do whatever they want. And yes, possibly then get in silly arguments or do silly things or dance silly or whatever. But we don't want them to go where that eventually possibly leads into like dangerous area or actual physical violence or, um, you know, emotional violence, anything like that. It's such a fine line to walk. But these we can let Ashley have a couple more drinks again. All right. She's she's been in her timeout long enough is, I guess, what we'll say with that. But we go to the bubble bar. And the only thing of note from the bubble bar is Emmy freaks out. Um, Emmy totally freaks out. And it's unwarranted, honestly, in every single way. Uh, um, she freaks out because Amanda goes to Bettina and says, you know, Bettina, I know you want to, you want to go into elimination so you could pick your opponent. If that's the case, who do you want to pick? And Bettina says with no malice at all, um, if you haven't noticed by now, I'm going to defend Bettina right up until the very end of this episode when I'm going to stop defending her pretty quickly. But, um, she, Amanda asked Bettina, who do you want? And Bettina says, you know, 
Uh, if it's, I, w- I don't want anyone necessarily from our team, so not you or Ashley. If I get picked and I go down there and it's physical, I would probably pick Big T. And if it's a puzzle, I'd probably pick Emmy and because those are the two I would be picking from, from this, the other team, and that seems like the obvious puzzle. You would take Emmy over Big T, and physical, you take Big T over Emmy. And doesn't say it with anything mean, doesn't talk any shit, just says very kind of matter-of-factly, like, that seems like the smart thing to do, yeah? And Amanda, being the instigator that she is, knows, hey, why don't I go tell Emmy this? And when I tell Emmy, why don't I just leave out everything and just say, plain and simple, I asked Bettina who she wants to go against, and Bettina said, if it's a puzzle, I want Emmy because I can beat her in a puzzle. And Emmy takes this and flips the fuck out, she confronts Bettina. It starts calm. Bettina stays calm and just says, yeah, like, I I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm going to pick you or Big T, I guess, you know, depending on what it is. And Emmy's not having it. She freaks out. And we'll say, first off, again, Bettina pretty much does nothing wrong here. It is not mean in any way or anything. She's just, you know, whatever. I guess, you know, you might get called out and go in an elimination, but you're eventually going to nominate yourself for that very same elimination, Emmy. So, like, calm down. The main thing to say about this is the editors totally duped us. They duped me. I assume I'm not alone. Maybe I am. I'm not that smart. So easily could just be me. But we were sold in the next week on that this freak out and this this quote from Emmy of you're not treating me the way you used to treat me was directed at CT and that her and CT were going to go at it. And yes, we should know much better by the 500th episode to trust the edit, to trust the next week on or the trailers at all. But we were completely duped and Emmy and CT are the best of friends and want to be on team again and, you know, our uncle and niece and whatever. Not fighting at all. And what I got to say about that is, yes, I need to be smarter. I need to learn better. I need to not expect it. But also as editors... You need to not sell us something that is way, way, way better and more interesting than what we eventually get. Emmy blowing up on Bettina for pretty much no reason isn't that interesting. Emmy and CT's relationship cracking and folding and them getting in a huge argument, that's actually interesting because you've built up them, you know, Uncle CT, the whole thing. We have last season where CT had this roller coaster with Big T, and now you set up that maybe he's on another roller coaster with Emmy and he's gonna act a certain way. That's way more interesting. So don't you can trick us all you want, but when you sell us something very interesting and then you give us something that's not interesting at all, and it, it leaves it leaves a fan feeling a certain way. Um, so bad move by them. We'll talk more about it later because for once, production's going to get some nominations in some of the awards today. Spoiler alert. But Emmy freaks out, and we leave the bubble bar, and it's basically nothing. We go to the nominations. Bettina, Emmy, Amanda all make their pitches beforehand and in the moment to the Emerald team about Bettina and Emmy. Bettina wants to go in. She wants to be the one that gets to pick her opponent. Emmy, with after a lot of discussion, Emmy gets to literally sit in on the Emerald team's deliberation so they can convince her that, no, you should go in because Amanda has come to us and made it very clear that if Bettina goes in, Bettina might pick Amanda instead of Emmy. And if she does, Amanda's going to come infiltrate Emerald Squad. And Bettina also probably is going to infiltrate Emerald Squad. So you should pick Emmy 
they convince Emmy that she should go in. And in the deliberation or the nomination, it doesn't really matter what Bettina or Amanda say. They're picking Emmy. They do. And at this point, Bettina is just totally, totally checked out. Um, the only real th- last thing to say about any of this is at the nominations and the vote, we talked about on the uh, one of the last episodes we did, the pre- yeah, the one we did yesterday, preview and predictions, uh, review, preview episode, that last week on that Redditor's React podcast that we've referenced a couple times this episode and last episode, we, the three of us, me, Levi, and Brian, talked about are these teams actually voting as individuals as the Emerald Squad, because they're the only ones that have got to do it three times now, actually all six voting, and could they potentially tie or, you know, to, you know, all vote for different people, or are they submitting one name as a group? Um, in this one, for the first time, we eventually came to the conclusion, based off the last two and based off the fact that Aftermath was not showing these votes, that they were just submitting one name. This time, for the first time, though, we saw there are for sure six iPads available. Just only four of them are on the counter, and the other the two people sitting back have to kind of reach to the side and bring theirs in. But TJ says in his little pre, pre-made clip, um, he says something to the effect of uh, possible deadlock. He uses the word deadlock. So he And then we actually see all six people vote, and we maybe it's just edited this way, but we see them actually like kind of like stop and think for a second before they all select their vote. So they are voting as individuals. I think they made it as clear as they could um, this time around. So maybe that means in the future we could get some actual interesting, you know, a tie or uh, a divide between the winning team of who they should vote for. But they pick, they pick Emmy. And so on to the last section of the show, the layer Emmy picks Bettina for um, which the only interesting thing to say about that is that CT tells her right up, you know, she she goes to CT right before and says, what would you do? Uncle CT, whatever you tell me, you know how to play this game. I will do whatever you say. And CT tells her, hey, there's, you know, big T, if it's physical, you could pick big T or Amanda too and still have a great shot. I still think you'd be the favorite. And if we did that, uh, it would leave Bettina here and it would leave one other rookie. So you wouldn't be the only rookie female left. You don't want to be the last rookie female. You should have her kind of as a shield. Fantastic strategy from CT. This is the strategy we expect from CT. He does kind of throw Big T under the bus again, which was hard to watch, but it is what it is at this point with that relationship. Um, but Emmy goes against what she does, uh, what CT tells her, and she picks Bettina and says, the reason is because she wants to be nice to the vets. She doesn't want to bother any of the vets, which I guess we've come this far, so why would they start now? Why would anyone outside of Michaela or Priscilla have a spine at all? And and that's not fair to the rest of the rookies. A lot of them at least wanted to take out a vet. They just ended up there. So not very fair, but uh, Emmy's been working with the vets the whole time. She's been treated the best, I guess, by the vets uh, throughout this, even though this is her third time in elimination. You might notice that, Emmy. Um, but she she picks uh, Bettina, and yes, that's a good choice uh, for the elimination that she eventually wins. But I do think she would have... I agree with CT. I think, especially once we saw the elimination, I think she would have beaten Big T um, pretty easily as well. I think she would have beaten Amanda pretty easily in this as well. Um, so... Uh, I think for her long-term strategy, it would have been a better call to do that and keep Bettina there. But she doesn't. The game they play, it's a solid game. I forget what it's actually called. Um, but 
they've done something similar before. I was trying to, I'm, I've been a bad historian all season long. I keep having these moments where I'm like, I know they've done this and I can envision it and I could see it, but I can't tell you what season it necessarily was. But at some point they had guys swinging a large log to break through a wall of some sort. And I'm blanking on when or where that was, but they've done something similar to this before. And it's a solid game. Um, it's not the classic I was looking for for episode 500, uh, but it is what it is. Uh, it's a decent game, but it's uh, no, not a good competition. No excitement at all. Um, Bettina can't get the hang of it at all. That looks a little lifeless through it all, and it kind of seems to have just kind of given up. Um, both, Neither of them, uh, credit to Emmy for actually forgetting all five with what I think was not... I don't know. It's a, it was a good enough strategy from the fact that it eventually worked, um, and she was strong enough that even with potentially bad form and strategy, she was still getting that thing swinging high enough to knock out the targets. But um, yes, you would get a lot more tired. But the one strategy from when this game has been played before is you hold onto the rope the whole time and you run forward with it, and you run backward with it, and you're running back and forth, um, and you kind of take times making runs at it and stop and pause and catch your breath. But the whole like. Emmy and both of them were trying it, and Emmy was doing it more effectively, but throwing it and letting go of the rope. And then as it's coming back, you have to catch a dangling rope every time. Seems to have made it a lot harder to keep the momentum without slowing the momentum down when you're grabbing onto that rope again, which was a lot of Bettina's problem was she would swing it forward, but then on its way back, she would grab the rope and literally stop it back. And so she was swinging it forward just off strength and no momentum and couldn't get it very high at all. Um, my, you know sports analysis assessment of this is that without ever having done anything like this, obviously is that the best, best, best strategy would have been a one, two, three strategy of go forward, pulling it as far forward as you can, then run backward as far as you can, all still holding it and then launch it forward. And each, you just take one run, both times forward, backward, forward, and let go. That seems to me like it would have been the most efficient and effective strategy. I think doing that, you would have been able to get it high enough to hit the missiles. You wouldn't have went 100% on hitting them. You would have just, you know, but hopefully a decent amount of time, you would have got the aim down eventually. Anyways, Emmy wins. Bettina's gone. And again, we didn't get enough of the Bettina early on to know why everyone dislikes her in the house. Um, and seems like a sweet, wonderful person. And But not going to see Bettina again. We get the TJ... Nice having you, and good luck. We get no, you know, we hope to see you again. We know we'll see you again. Nothing that. You can always tell from what TJ says what the likely fate of these people is going to be, and Bettina ain't coming back. It doesn't seem like it. So goodbye to her, and welcome back to a new team, to Emmy, who picks Sapphire. Of course, no drama there. We know she wants to be with Uncle CT, so she picks Sapphire, and as we now know from last week, that means she also, even though she just sent a Sapphire member home, she does have to replace someone, and she sends Amanda over to Ruby, which a few things on that. Uh, Amanda did all of this avoiding of elimination, knowing that it meant that Emmy was going in and that in, in her plans, Emmy was then winning the elimination and coming and stealing a spot on her team and had to have known it was going to be her spot. Um, because uh, you would assume 
even if everyone likes you the same, they're going to want Ashley over you on the team because she's the champion or whatever. And CT's going to be like, I want her still with us. And Emmy's going to be like, I want the champion still with us. So uh, not maybe the best move by Amanda in that in the long run for that. Um, and we got to ask, is Amanda, we get in the next week on something to the effect of Amanda threatening to sabotage her team, which wouldn't make a lot of sense now. The Ruby team has five people and uh, the Emerald squad still has six. And now the Sapphire one is only going to have four. And we'll talk about it again here uh, as we did earlier, a little longer on this one, that it's going to be four to five to six. And they are going to have to make these daily challenges somehow even or at least closer to than they have been so far to an even playing field. And guess what? I'm totally fine. If yes, if you go the other way, we've seen in the past with a team with less people, someone gets to go twice. It means that maybe CT gets to go twice and that's bullshit because CT's as good as it gets. Uh, I will be a bad historian again and say, I can't remember the exact season. It was fairly recently, but there was one where Jordan was the one who got to go multiple times for his team in a swimming relay of sorts. Um, might've been on one of the, maybe war of the worlds too. Um, just cause that was the last, um, yeah, maybe that one. I don't know, but there's been plenty of times in the past where the team with less people, they get to go multiple times. And sometimes that's a huge advantage for that team then to be able to have someone really good go multiple times. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Uh, we've also actually seen Jordan go twice before when someone didn't have a partner on another season on the side of a semi truck. And one time he did great. And one time he did bad. I know Darrell's had to go as multiple times as some, you know, because someone didn't have a partner or whatever before and kind of did good one time, bad the other time. So it doesn't always work out, but sometimes it is a huge advantage. But I'd rather the team with less people get the advantage because someone good gets to go twice and perform twice than the Emerald team that has six just has this huge advantage because six people is way, no matter who they are, is way better and more beneficial than having five or four. So interested to see how they handle that moving forward. And if they don't handle it well and Emerald just wins again and somehow no one infiltrates Emerald again, um, it, this this just could turn into like six versus four versus two or whatever. So uh, the numbers are getting skewed quickly. Um, that four-person team, though, is a strong team that we get now. We get CT, Kyle, Ashley, and Emmy, and they're feeling strong, even if they're only four feeling, you know, they got, they got a good solid four. But Amanda can't feel that bad. The Ruby squad still is, they've still got the best, they've got the best guys in the house for sure at this point with, uh, Logan potentially seemingly feeling better hundred percent with his leg. Good athlete, Corey and Nelson, real good athletes. They're way better. I would take them every single day over the three guys on Emerald. And I would take them just from the number standpoint over CT and Kyle. So they've got the best guys and big T and Amanda are smaller. Yes. Uh, strength wise than some of the other women on the other teams, but they'll get down in those physical ones. As we saw from this very daily challenge, um, and we've seen plenty in the past and they're both smart and they both can run. They both came to compete. So the Ruby, Ruby cells, not, not looking too bad right now. Um, so that's all that last final question, I guess we get a little ahead of ourselves, but who will Logan go against next week? I guess is our only exciting thing. Looking forward to next week is who's Logan going to go against. Cause obviously unless somehow they win, uh, Logan's going in as the only rookie left. 
But that's the layer, and that is it for our walkthrough of the episode. So that's everything noteworthy that happened. Let's let's move into the awards segment, hand out our normal five awards for this episode, the 500th episode, episode 12 of the season. As always, we have five awards to hand out. Best strategy, worst strategy, best quote, best moment, and episode MVP. Let us start, as we always do, with the best strategy. Only two nominees uh, for this. And you know what? Actually, in the moment, I'm going to add a third nominee, uh, to be fair, to him. So the the one we're going to add, third nominee, uh, first nominee, I guess, is CT for his advice he gives Emmy for thinking through. That is solid strategy from him to keep advising her, hey, you have just as, you know, kind of same odds of winning a physical elimination versus these other two people. You might as well keep Bettina around. It seems like no one really likes her and she's a rookie. And so then she'll kind of be your shield to get thrown in next time if you don't want to keep going in over and over. And maybe she won't pick you uh, next time if you don't pick her. So maybe you can swing that deal. You know, good strategy advice from him, even if it wasn't taken. So CT nomination number one. Devin and Tori, joint nominee number two for just the due the due diligence that they are doing. They they're running everything for their team at this point. As much as Josh wants to take credit uh, for you know being able to one that keeps everyone safe and being the amazing part of this amazing team um, on the playing field, it's Tori and Casey that are dominating everything for them. And in the political field, it's Devin and Tori and. Emmanuel and Casey and Nani are essentially doing nothing other than being likable people. <laughs> and uh, Devin and Tori do all the due diligence here. They make sure they go to every single person. They apply the pressure in the proper ways to every possible person that is up. They get the information they want to get so that they can make the best possible decision for themselves to keep their team whole. So good all around from them. The winner of the best strategy of the week, though, is Amanda, even if it does result in her being on a different team and a team maybe she wants to be on a little less than her former team, um, she does keep herself out of elimination, and she does so in a very smart and veteran-savvy way of knowing exactly what to say and do to make the proper threats and to be, she has a credible enough history that those threats hit home, even if Devin wants to say that they don't, and this has nothing to do with what Amanda is doing. It has everything to do with Amanda's threats. Um, and so she keeps herself out of elimination and is great strategy in the process. So Amanda gets the award for the best strategy this week. And then over to the worst strategy side. Uh only three nominees as well, but way more egregious offenses than there was great strategy. There was solid strategy from those three nominees, but there was really bad strategy from three different people in this episode. So the first one, uh, we've actually talked about all of these at some point of the episode so far, but CT and Kyle, again, when you're on defense, I know it's three versus two, but you're CT and Kyle and they're Devin and Josh. And if you make the matchups correct, CT, you should have no problem. You should relish in the chance to take down Josh and tackle him or push him out of bounds or whatever. And Kyle, you should have no problems taking down Devin and doing the same. Let Emmanuel go. Who cares? That's easy. It's not that hard. It should have been easy and quick to think of in the moment. And you should have at least put it back on them to be like, are we smart enough to just give the really fast guy like all of the bags, which they they each had 
uh, I guess they didn't each have two bags because there's only what four bags of transfer at the time. Um, so I don't know which bags they actually gave to Emmanuel. Maybe he had the two $3,000 bags and it wouldn't have mattered anyways, but you take those chances. CT go straight for Josh. Kyle go straight for Devin and let Emmanuel go. Uh, bad, bad strategy there. Second one, Emmy CT laid it out for you. We just nominated him for best strategy for the strategy that he gave you to keep a rookie available. That isn't you and to take the same odds versus big T or Amanda, as you pretty much probably had versus Patina with respect to all three women in that, that probably would feel a certain way that they're better or worse or whatever. Who cares? Um, you're all slight underdogs versus Emmy in that elimination. So she could have picked one of those other people, kept Bettina there, another rookie that people openly aren't super friendly with. And then you're also then on a five-person team instead of a four-person team at the end. The part we didn't say before is that, yes, uh, that you could have if you go against either Big T or Amanda. But if you pick Big T and you beat her, you can then take Bettina's spot. And now you're on a five-person team and you get to keep Amanda and Ashley both there. And instead of being on the four-person team, and maybe you want to be on the four-person team, maybe you look at Amanda as a weak link in the challenges. I personally don't. Yes, it would have been a little harder to beat Big T, but I still think you would have won. And so I think that was the strategy. CT laid it out for you. Bad strategy there from Emmy, even if she eventually gets the win and is on the team she wants to be on. And finally, the third nominee, and I'm going to go ahead and say the winner uh, for the sake of not picking Emmy, who had a nice episode and gets the win. Um, the, the winner of the worst strategy is the production and the editing team that did the fake out. The, we said it before, saying it again, the fake out art was complete and utter BS. And yes, I'm saying it partially because I'm salty that I was tricked by it, but also because as we previously said, that CT and Emmy breaking up and getting in a fight is way, way more interesting and way more entertaining and way better television than what we got. So don't sell us something way more interesting and then deliver. You always, it's a, just a staple of life in business, in television, in anything that you're doing, you undersell and over deliver. Never, never, never want to be the ones that are overselling and under delivering in any way, in any way of life. You don't want to be that. If you can oversell and then over deliver, that's best case scenario. Great. You build as much hype as you can and then you actually exceed that. Fantastic. And we've had moments where the challenge has done that in the past, but definitely, definitely, definitely don't oversell us and then way under deliver on that because it's just going to leave a shitty feeling in our mouths and in our eyeballs when we're watching this. And on a season where I have tried my best to defend it at every turn, and there's a lot of people out there that aren't exactly enjoying it and are just dying for All-Stars to start, I can't defend when this, when this shit takes place. So um, that's a big bummer, and they have the worst strategy of the week for for putting that, you didn't have to put that in the next week on at all. You could have just put Emmy freaking out and didn't have to say who it was, who it was towards, or didn't have to mislead us at who it was towards or anything. Um, you didn't have to put anything. Honestly, you didn't have to put anything in the next week on other than hey, it's the 500th episode. That's cool and that's great, and show a couple people running into each other in the field, um, and that's all you would have needed to do. Great, you're done. Uh, so they get the worst strategy. Let's talk best quote. Uh, only four nominees this week. It was a kind of a light episode for good quotes. And two of those nominees actually come 
which is which is fun and impressive for them, come from the field, not from confessionals, which will make them, I apologize in advance if these are a little harder to hear when we play the clips, because um, they're not necessarily quite as loud as uh, the confessionals are. But first nominee is Kyle for when they announce that it is episode 500. Kyle, being the witty, wonderfully funny person that he is, immediately turns to CT and asks him what episode one was like, which is absolutely hilarious. And we will play, we'll play the audio here, uh, even though we just basically said word for word what Kyle says, and I'm not positive how well you can hear it. I had to rewind to make sure I heard him say it correctly because TJ is still kind of talking, but he gets a laugh from the whole crowd as he deserves. So take it away, Kyle, with your response to it being the 500th episode. Get it. This is a very special mission today. This is the 500th episode of the challenge. CT, what was episode one like? We then got CT, his first of two nominations in Quote of the Week. And this one also comes from In the Field right before they're about to go on defense. Kyle makes his apology for... (laughs) for removing CT's two workhorses and replacing them with himself. CT's response is a wonderful, great quote. So uh, let's hear it from the legend himself. I just want to take this time, CT, to say sorry for taking out two big players on your team and then replacing them with me. Yeah, it's like you traded two sports cars for a goddamn used pickup truck. Then third nominee, we've got Devin, who, when confronted by Amanda, lets it be known who he does and does not negotiate with. So take it away, Devin. Amanda wants to stay out of the lair at all costs. Well, guess what, Amanda? You're not going to threaten me because I do not negotiate with terrorists or devils for this instance. See you in deliberation. That quote from him starts off on, you're like, oh, I don't know if you're going to land this one, but he pulls it in at the end with ring bringing around to the the devil, Amanda devil thing. So good job there from Devin. And then their fourth quote, and I will go ahead and say is the winner of the quote of the week is also from CT, his second nominee of the week and the fourth and final one and the winner. And that is when in nominations, uh, it just becomes clear. The whole house at this point is just openly like, hey, Whoever's on CT's team's going to win. You get to go to a final. You're going to win. That's great. Everyone wants to be on CT's team. And CT's like, yo, I can't just give away finals appearances here and has the quote of the week. So let's hear that from him. I'm not Oprah. I can't just give away finals. Okay, you're going to have to earn it. You can't weasel your way into a championship. CT, don't 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 bring yourself down. You're on Oprah's level, bro. You're you're right up there. She's she's an absolute queen for sure. She's you know an all timer, a one of one. But so are you. You're you're on her level. You just might not give out as many gifts as her. Um, but that is your quote of the week. Then best moment. There's only one nominee, and it's the winner. And it's what we talked about before. Uh, it's Big T on her floaty, eating, doing a face mask, and almost floating her way right off the edge of that infinity pool. For the second week in a row, the best moment of the episode, hands down, is just a small, fun, funny moment from the house. Last week, it was Amanda explaining childbirth to Kyle, and we said we would love the full, what likely was 10 to 15 minutes long conversation and laughter had in that living room that we got 60 seconds of, give us the whole thing. Same with this one. 
I would have loved show us show Big T putting on the face mask. Show her make that bowl of whatever she was eating cereal or fruit or whatever she had with her. Show her get on the floaty, lay out there. I would watch a, the ten minute long extended version of this silent version of her just going through this, getting on the floaty, almost going off. Tori somewhat rescuing her, Big T rescuing herself. It was the best moment of the episode, the most fun I had while watching this episode. And there's not even I'm not even gonna nominate anyone else because it was a clear winner. So then MVP of the episode, four people nominated, one winner. Amanda gets some votes for being good strategic in this episode and just being a little more prevalent than she has been in some of the recent episodes. She gets some votes. Bettina gets some votes. Uh, are they sympathy votes? Yeah, kind of, because, again, uh, I, don't, I don't necessarily agree with all the kind of rude shit talking that was going her way. Uh, I also don't agree with her... Uh, her energy levels in the layer and the elimination, but whatever. Uh, she gets a couple votes. It was, you know, the, the episode was largely focused on her and Emmy, so Bettina gets some votes just because of that. CT receives some votes, even if he had horrible strategy, for which is just astounding. I still can't believe I'm saying that over and over with CT in the daily challenges, but we do also know that he sometimes is a, a doesn't necessarily always want to win any of the daily challenges, uh, especially on a women's day. So maybe there's a little bit of that in there that we aren't acknowledging enough. Um, but he gets some votes just for he was very he was pretty prevalent in this. He had you know some good quotes. He is you know plays uncle to Emmy. He has offers her that good strategy all around. He gets some votes, but Emmy is the MVP of the episode. Uh, she wins. She she performs admirably in the daily challenge. She you know. Uh, has the blow up in the bubble bar, I guess, which, you know, is the focal point, even if it was kind of a pointless blow up. Um, but she wins the elimination and she gets to get to the team she wants. She's with Uncle CT. She's the focus of the episode. So um, you might hear it in my voice, but a little bit begrudgingly. Uh, I, I wasn't a big fan of this episode or necessarily even her performance, but uh, she is the MVP of the episode for sure. Um, so, and I think that's maybe her second of the season, maybe even third time of the season. So she's definitely building that case. She like she said in it, someone tells her, you know, you can be rookie of the year as if it's an actual award that they give out separate championships now for that, um, which people like myself do, but they don't in the show. Um, and yes, she's won three eliminations, but I don't know that she's 100% shoo-in for rookie of the year quite yet. So we will see on that front, but hats off to Emmy for the elimination win, for getting over to Uncle CT's team, and for being the MVP of this episode. So those are our five awards. Let's then transition into our final segment of the day, and let's talk power rankings and predictions for the season moving forward. Power ranking time, and we will quickly update the, the team power ranking before doing the individual uh, team-wide, Emerald, Ruby, Sapphire. And the reason I want to even say that is because I do want to get this point across, is that a few weeks ago on the show, uh, you know, we we predicted, not to pat ourselves on the back again, but we predicted they were going to switch to teams and that it was going to be cutthroat all over again. Um, there was also this week on social media uh, one specific place that I saw someone say, that some producer somewhere said that this season was meant to be teams the whole time and literally be cutthroat too, which I then asked um, where this source was coming from or where this information was coming from and no response because I don't 
I don't think it was true. I think they were just saying it on Instagram to get some people to comment and like and whatever. Um, but regardless, we are now in Cutthroat 2. And uh, in that, uh, these teams are feeling very much like literally Cutthroat is happening all over again. And what I mean by that is back in Season 20, Cutthroat, there were three teams. There were the red team, the blue team, and the gray team. And the gray team of uh, Abram and Carmaria and Laurel, and I believe Luke was there. And I apologize to everyone else on their team, I'm forgetting. But it, they were kind of the misfit team. They were kind of looked at by the blue and red team on that season as the Island of Misfit Toys and as weaker in general to uh, to the other two teams and not as much of a threat. And the blue team in that season uh, and the red team both felt very, very good about themselves. The red team thought you know felt like they were the dominant team the whole time. They did kind of dominate the whole time, but the blue team always felt like they had Johnny and Derek and Emily Schramm and Paula and Jen and Big Easy. I think it was that's six, at least in six people that they had. Um, but they had really they had bananas and Derek and uh and Emily Schramm. And so they kind of had the big, big heavy hitters, whereas the red team just had like a good team across the board. And over the course of the season, the the blue team just got whittled down and whittled down, and the red team won most of the daily challenges and was able to keep putting the blue people in until they lost, and their team was whittled down and whittled down. And by the end of the season, you had this red team that didn't necessarily have the huge, huge heavy hitters. They just had really good people kind of across the board. And by the end of the season, they had by far the most people left, for the final, that numbers advantage continued to advantage them throughout the daily challenges and then was a huge, huge thing in the final. The blue team, all the big hitters were gone and the final was just Jen and Emily Schramm who did a great job as the two people by themselves, but the numbers thing and what they were asked to do in that final, just there was no chance. And the gray team was still, was putting up a valiant fight in Abram and, you know, especially with Laurel and Kara there. Um, but still early Kara coming into her own as an athlete. Um, so it wasn't quite the Kara of Vendetta later on the athleticism side. Um, and and so they're, they're there and they put up a valiant effort, but they never really are like 100%, 100% threat. And Red just kind of walks away with it. And it's not, it's not you know, it, it's, just, oh, it's just kind of a foregone conclusion at a certain point. And it feels like that's happening all over again, where this, this season... The Emerald Squad is, which I'm going to keep saying squad or team. I'm not saying sell. I'm sorry. You got all the cast members to say sell repeatedly. Hats off to you for all learning that. I bet it, I, I say this without any bit of sarcasm at all. I bet it was annoying and hard in the confessionals to learn to say sell, sell, sell over and over and over. Um, so great job being able to do that. You got to play along. You're literally on the show. I don't. I'm just talking about the show. Um, but it feels like the Emerald team is becoming what the red team was. Good across the board, you know, no real weak links, no, you know, first ballot, surefire, Hall of Famer, GOAT level type players, but really, really good across the board. The women especially kind of being the best of the women left in the game and where they, they get the numbers advantage early. They use that being good across the board, no weak links, having the numbers advantage, and they win most of the challenges and they're going to get to a final. And if they run this final as teams, 
they're going to potentially just walk away with the final just based on they've got six solid people and the other teams are going to have three or four people left or whatever. Um, and it feels like the Sapphire team, it, this season's blue team, if you will, it feels very much like the blue team of old of, yes, the whole time we're like, hey, they've got they've got CT, they've got Ashley, you know, they had Bananas, they had Derek, they have Emily. They can, they can still compete, but their numbers keep getting smaller and smaller, and they're now the team of four. And, you know, very much... Emmy is the last rookie girl left. So when rookies come, when women come around again, I feel like Emmy is going to get very upset because she's going to go back into that layer one way or the other. And I feel like Kyle is going to get picked to go into the layer one way or the other. So, um, and it feels like Ruby is just going to continue to be the team that, you know, has some moments, has a chance, has a better chance than people give them credit for of winning daily challenges or maybe even winning the final when we get there but are going to kind of just be that Island of Misfit Toys. So it feels like it literally is cutthroat all over again and the, that the team's the team aspect is playing out in kind of in the same way that it did back then. So I wanted to say that. Let's get to our actual men, uh, male and female power rankings, individual power rankings. And again, this is rankings based on who I think is in the best position to make the final and win the final jointly, kind of weighing both of those the same and so knowing that I feel the best about Emerald and then Ruby and then Sapphire does influence these rankings to some degree. Uh, I think we did ladies first last week, so we'll go with the guys first this week. On the guys' side, eight people left. CT holds down the number one spot for the simple reason that it seems like everyone, it seems like even Josh and Devin, who have zero reason not to throw CT in every freaking time, are... Um, other than I guess he could come back and take your spot, but like you're not going to beat him in a final. You're just not. So you got to throw him in every time you get a chance to. And doesn't seem like anyone is. Seems like everyone's now just going to scramble to get CT on their team for the final. And that means I think he's going to walk right to the final and he's going to win it. So he holds down the number one spot. Josh flies up the rankings. He gets number two for the main reason that I think Emerald is going to just keep winning all the daily challenges. And that when they do, even if they don't on a male week, I think Emmanuel or Devin are going to get called out from their team before Josh is going to get called out. And I think also, if they don't, and if someone infiltrates their team, I think Emmanuel and Devin are going to be chosen to be infiltrated before Josh. If you're if you're a guy coming into that team and you're picking between all three of them to replace you know, as, as odd as it might sound to say, I think I'm definitely leaving Josh there for the strength factor and I'm removing Emmanuel or Devin um, and taking their place. So I feel like Josh is just in a really good spot and is going to make probably make his first final here and have a shot to win it um, and be that challenge champ. Third, Nelson. Fourth, Devin. Fifth, Corey. Sixth, Emmanuel. Basically, those are, I feel solid about their teams. Um, I feel like Nelson and Corey are both in a good spot to, even if they don't win much, are maybe not get called out or voted in. If they do, they've got a chance to pick someone they maybe think they can beat. Um, 
and no one's going to maybe want to join their team. Devin Manuel on a good, solid team in a good standing. But again, I think they're a little lower than what Josh would be or even what I'm putting Nelson here just because I think they're susceptible to being the one that gets either thrown into an elimination if they don't win the daily challenge or being the one that is infiltrated and moved to a weaker team um, and then in a worse position after that. So that's that. And then Kyle and Logan at the very end. Logan's at the bottom. Nothing against him. He's just he's definitely going into the elimination next week as the last rookie guy. Um, and Kyle, I think, is the is the one that is going to get called out potentially multiple times. Fair or unfair is going to get called out over and over um, just based on the if Emerald continues to win all the challenges and it's Corey, Nelson, Logan, Kyle, and CT are the only ones up for elimination you know, that's a really strong group. And so I feel like it's going to be Logan versus Kyle next week in the layer. On the female side, Casey, Tori, one, two, no change there. Uh, doesn't look like that's changing anytime soon. The only possible way that could get shaken up is if someone infiltrates and moves one of them, which I don't see that happening with Casey at all. And the only reason I could even imagine it ever could happen to Tori is if someone says like, Hey, I don't want to split Casey and Nani up. Or if Casey finds out and is like, Hey, like I want to be on the team with Nani. Tori's amazing. And I like her, but like, if you're going to do this, replace her. Cause like, I don't want to split up me and Nani. Um, but I would assume anyone that infiltrates is going to be like, I want to keep Tori and Casey on the team. And I want to be the third woman in that trio. So by Nani, um, which is why Nani's further down the list than Casey and Tori. Amanda third, Ashley fourth, Nani fifth, Emmy sixth, Big T seventh. All of that is based on basically, again, more or less who I think is going to continue to go into eliminations uh, on the female side, which I think will be Big T and Emmy or, and Nani were kind of the three most, the are going to be uh, highest odds of going into one, if not multiple more eliminations. And then potentially either losing or going home or moving way up these rankings. If they, if big T or Emmy switches onto a better team uh, or switches into the Emerald team and takes that third spot alongside Casey and Tori, who knows, but Casey, Tori, Amanda, Ashley, Nani, Emmy, big T now to predictions. We make add one prediction every week for our season long prediction list. We have 12 currently two of them. We got right. Tori would have five plus partners. CT have two plus partners. We gave ourselves the win on those on the technicality. We have three wrong so far. Fessy first vet targeted. We got that wrong. Ed would make the final. That was wrong. Anissa would make the final. That was wrong. Literally the episode we made it. So we are two and three right now with still in play. CT is going to win. Still seems like it's going to happen. Devin will make it further in Josh. Seems like we're going to maybe lose that one on a tie maybe in the end, but who knows? A lot of season left. Josh and Amber will not make the final. Amber is gone, but it's looking more and more like Josh is going to make the final, so we may get that one wrong, but it's still in play. We will not see any more DQs for injury or fighting. Looking better again after last week. It was looking worse with Logan limping around, but he seems to be better, so that one's still in play. Devin will not see an elimination unless a rule or purge forces everyone to do so. That's still in play, but uh, feels like if they lose, he could be a candidate. Um, Ruby team is the cast-offs team. Everyone wants off at two-plus Ruby team members will volunteer for elimination to make the switch. Two players have left Ruby's team, but I said specifically two Ruby members would volunteer for elimination. One of them did this week, so we're halfway there on that one. And then I added last week the final challenge will be individual and not in teams. I already feel like I'm wrong in this. I'm pretty. It feels like it is actually going to be a team. Final, so 
we'll see. Still in play. Um, so two right, three wrong. One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Still in play. And we will add it to the the new one. Is that I don't know how or when or why necessarily, but I just get the feeling that all those seeds that they planted of CT and Tori working together throughout the season. Um, are going to come to fruition in that CT and Tori will end up on the same team for the final. So uh, this is contradicting my other prediction that the final will be individual. But again, uh, I already wish I could walk that one back, and I think it's going to be teams. And so our new prediction is that CT and Tori will end up on the same team for the final. That is our predictions. That is our power rankings. Those are our awards. Those are our thoughts. Those are everything on episode 12, episode 500 of The Challenge. What a wonderful show. What an amazing, beautiful, wonderful series of episodes and seasons and show this has been and the challenge is and will continue to be not the best episode. Um, Got to be honest about it. Um, hoping, hoping, I was hoping for a great back half of the season and it feels like we're going to have to sit through one more episode of, you know, Logan's going in and maybe he'll win, maybe he won't. Um, but the the rookie thing has to, you know, there's only... <laughs> It's only three of them left, so uh, it's got to end at some point. We got to get some real action here at some point. Hopefully, we will. But thank you, as always, for listening and being here today. As always, anywhere you want to find us, search Challenge Historian, whether that's on Instagram to follow along there, on YouTube if you'd rather watch these podcasts than listen to them, or maybe that's where you're watching them right now. Um, There will be some extra YouTube content coming soon. So Challenge Historian YouTube, Challenge Historian on Instagram, Challenge Historian on any podcast platform to find this podcast. Make sure you hit the follow button on Spotify. You hit the... Uh, subscribe button, I believe it is, on Apple Podcasts. Wherever you listen, follow, subscribe, rate, review. All of that is a huge help. That way you don't miss an episode. We will be back next week, three times next week. Three podcasts, one week, coming in hot with the content next week. We will have our Tuesday review preview. Get us ready for episode 13. We will have our episode 13, Spies, Lies, and Allies, recap late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning. And then we will have... I promise next week, probably Thursday, maybe Friday, just depends on what the rest of the schedule looks like, but either Thursday or Friday next week, we will have our All-Stars 2 cast breakdown season preview podcast, and that'll launch us right into doing dual pods, Spies, Lies, and Allies right alongside All-Stars 2. So three podcasts next week, possibly a fourth piece of content with our challenge season pitch video coming out as well. So a lot of stuff coming your way. Follow along. Uh, follow the inst- Really following Instagram at Challenge Historian is the easiest way to not miss anything because we will start to post every now with so much different stuff coming out. We will make sure we are posting clearly about what's coming out, where it's at, where you can find it. So that's kind of always going to be our hub, our main base. We will get the actual website up very soon, hopefully, that houses all of this as well as a one-stop shop to go to find everything. But thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening, for watching, for being a part of this community. And with that, I will talk to you all next week. Peace.